This program is financially supported by the fundings from the European Commission. You are listening to the EPU Access Cast, the first official podcast from European Blind Union about assistive technology for blind and partially sighted people. And here are the hosts. Welcome to EBU Access Cast number 18. This is the first episode in 2020. My name is Mario Percinic. I'm coming to you from Luxembourg. And with me in our EBU Access Cast, I have Pavel Masarczyk from Poland. Hello. 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 Uh, there's a Tanya Kleut from Luxembourg as well. Hi, Tanya. Hello, everyone. And Bart Simons from Belgium. Hello and Happy New Year to all the listeners. Oh yeah, and Happy New Year from all of us as well. Definitely. So, we have been off for about, uh, yeah, four weeks. Did anybody get some new tech for the Christmas or not? No. No, not really yeah. here. Nobody. No new hardware, but I um, we got in Belgium Google Assistant um, available on the Sonos devices, so I activated that, so I didn't have to buy a new uh, machine, but I have now access to um, Google Assistant um, on my speakers. So mm. That was became available okay? since a few weeks, and they uh, they roll it out country by country, so it took a while for Belgium to be in the list, but it's now uh, available. And are you happy with the results? Mm, yeah, of course, you are linking different um, services together and you have to get all the settings right. You have and Google, and Google settings and Sonos settings and Spotify settings. And um, to have them playing nicely together was a bit of a challenge. Um, my Google account is via a G Suite. It's not a direct uh, gmail.com, but it's um, with my own device, uh, with my own domain name registered uh, at Google. So you can have your email uh, with your own domain name going via via Google with a G Suite. And there there seems yeah, yeah, to be yeah. a set because it's an old one. I activated since maybe 10 years and um, I never go into the settings. And I had to enable something on a domain level, not on user level, but on domain level to allow um, to go through. So that was a bit of a research, uh, but it's particular to, to my um, case because if you have a direct Gmail address, yeah, you, have yeah, only, yeah. you have only your user settings. But on top of that, I had my domain settings in this case, and there one checkbox was missing, and it didn't want to play the music. So I got it configured. Okay, but, but you got it configured, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, besides uh, the Sonos thing, I have to say that my my fossil is still working. Uh, yeah, and. Through day, from day to day, I'm discovering new things and the new apps for the smartwatch, what you can use. I have to say I was uh, really happy to find one app uh, called uh, uh, App in the Air, which is also available for uh, Android and iOS devices and uh, for, the, for the Apple Watch as well and the uh, Wear OS Android watches. And what this app allows you to do is it's giving you all the informations which are uh, related to your flights, which is cool. So you can get all the notifications on your wrist and uh, which is, and it's really working. Uh, 
now when uh, I was on the holidays, I uh, played with the app and I was able to see uh, all the things for my flights uh, in the real time when the stuff was happening. So eventually when I was on the airport, when they announced, for example, that there is a boarding, uh, I got immediately immediately notified also on my watch that the boarding has started. And uh, you can see also in advance, like when, until what time you have the boarding, uh, when is your flight, which gate you have to go and stuff. So it's, it's really useful. Do you also see your boarding pass? in the app or just the notifications you... I don't know actually uh, I think that you can see your boarding passes there are things uh, where you can configure uh, special things if you need so for example you can see your your tags for the for your luggages um, mm -hmm. and uh, in case you have your lost luggage, you can also uh, configure that so that you get also notifications uh, when your luggage is found or whatever ha is happening. So that's good. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, overall, it's uh, it's really useful. And uh, what I've also found out uh, on the ice free list was that uh, because usually when you're using by default uh, this Fossil Gen 5 watch, then you have the situation where when, I, when you use the volume up and down buttons which are uh, usually used as the buttons for shortcuts, uh, then you're just adjusting the volumes uh, for talkback or media volumes or whatever. But then uh, one of the users said that uh, you have to use a crown button in conjunctions with those buttons to get to the shortcuts. And yeah, it does work. So that was a nice tip to find as well. And uh, yeah, I also was playing with the... Uh, ADB shell so I installed additional uh, apps on the watch which are not natively available on the Play Store uh, so I was able to get the alternative TTS engines so I'm not just using the Google TTS but I can switch to the uh, eSpeak or Eloquence or whatever I want so that's that's also cool because you have different response time than uh, on the watch so the, the hardware works uh, faster and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah overall uh it was yeah. It's it's. I really like the, the the gadget. I have to say, and the yeah. What I said the last time, the internal mic and the, and the speaker are now with the last updates are, are really working nice, and they're eventually pretty loud when you when you crank them. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> and yeah, when you switch the battery mode to the custom mode, so when you configure everything. How how is to your likings? Then you can get like easily go through the day without uh, charge. Well, of course the the thing is that, but it's not only related to my watch. It's it's related also to the Apple Watch and uh, all the other watches. Is that uh, once you start using our assistive technologies uh, with speech, the battery starts to drain very very fast. Um, so eventually, if we are playing something and and doing something on the watch with with a screen reader, the battery uh, seems to go drastically down uh, quite quickly. But once you stop it and your watch is in the so-called like standby mode or whatever, just receiving notifications and uh, stuff, then you're going through the through the day quite okay. So that's just um, yeah, one thing to know. Okay, so that was about my rambling for my watch. Eventually, Pavel, did you see? Uh, there was also uh, an article in the, uh, I think it was Android Police, where they were announcing all the stuff on CS 2020 uh, for the smartwatches. And basically they said that more, most of them are based on the fossil group. So I was happy that I got my watch. Yeah, I saw the diesel. Even diesel has their own watch now. I yeah. think it's the same diesel that makes the engines. And it's also based on the fossil, so... <laughs> 
Go yeah, yeah, figure. yeah. So yeah, uh, I got I got a nice pick last year. <laughs> yes, <laughs> one to rule. Them yeah, all. speaking speaking of the news, uh, well, the first part of the news is uh, as we already started to mention the the CES 2020. It comes from CES, and that's uh, for those of you who don't know, it's the consumer and electronics show. Well let's say the biggest technological event uh, in the world happening at uh, January each year. It's happening in Las Vegas. And uh, from, I don't know, is it just my observation or something is uh, changing, but I'm starting to notice that this year there were more companies, different companies, which start to make kind of accessible and assistive products than before. What, what do you think, guys? I think it was the first time. I don't think the recent years I saw at least as much of this as possible. Albeit, yeah. uh, some of these products we already know. It's not like everything you see at, C at CES is uh, brand it's new. new. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So you saw it probably at CSUN last year or Site City or wherever. But uh, it's good that uh, the assistive technology is receiving so much attention on the CES, on the mainstream events. However, I, I see the journalism behind it and a lot of these uh, technology sites are not getting things right really like uh they still saying language braille language for example translated into yeah, braille yeah, language yeah. and uh so you see that uh, there is still a lot of confusion as to how this accessibility works in mainstream media but uh at least they're receiving the attention that they need and i guess that's good um and mm -hmm. i think it's the first time when we see so many of those companies although of course you have to follow the right media to find this information sometimes because they are not the big players they are not samsung or, or xiaomi so they are not noticed by everyone, but uh, if you know where to look for this news, you will you will find who is there and who what products they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first news from CES comes from a, a company called PCT. Uh, they announced their Braille tablet. Um, it's called Tactile Pro, and from what we could see from the article, uh, it is based. We don't know on on what is it based basically uh, regarding the operating system. I think it said Android in some passage. Mm, okay. I didn't see it, but yeah, it it it, it did say Android, but at the same time, it said that you it works in conjunction with your mobile phone. So I found it a bit confusing if it works yeah. standalone or how much standalone it is. But I think underneath it's Android. I just don't know how open. <laughs> right. Um, so eventually, they say that uh, with this tablet, it's uh, able to go. Uh, you're able to go on the internet, uh, read the stuff yeah. online, even read and and touch also graphics. But it didn't say in any part, is it a multi-line touch screen or n nothing is specified. And also how many dots or cells there are on the screen. And is it based yeah. on the cells or how? Because it says multi-level braille. Yeah, I suppose that it should be like multi <laughs> a braille with the multiple braille uh, lines. Yeah, because multi-level would mean that it can... the the, the um, Height can be in different levels, but we don't know how many lines there are. Yeah, true. Um, well, um, there was a. If if we if you go on the on the website, you can see the the article about it, and there is a certain YouTube video for the product, which uh, is visually showing the product. However, if you are blind, you don't get too much information about uh, the technical aspect for the product. So it's uh, it's up to the time to see. Uh, if the product will come to us uh, soon in Europe or it will be shown, if it will be shown on the big events such as uh, CSUN and uh, Side City, for example. 
it would be nice to see that to see because by the concept is uh, it's cool but yeah we would uh, require more information yep so if anybody if anybody knows something more about this uh, tactile pro uh, tablet yeah feel free to contact us and give us a uh, more information because we would like to know yeah because there are not so many information on the official website uh no information about the size of the device and uh weight that would be also interesting because we know that usually braille devices can be quite uh, large and heavy yeah um and also it says that it gives graphics automatically but it doesn't specify all graphics or, you know, I, I, I'm sure that there is a, a limit where uh, AI cannot uh, reproduce really any graphic. So nothing in that sense is specified. But it yeah, can yeah. also give you the information by the sound. So I'm wondering uh, if it speaks, maybe. They're saying that, it's, that it uses the voice. So my assumption is that okay. it has some kind of uh, screen reader under that yeah this is what and also i don't know it's promised to be a mm -hmm. revolutionary device like the first on the market but to yeah. me it sounds like another braille note taker um just with with graphics display and uh yeah maybe there is android there maybe there are some apps pre-installed but i think it's mm -hmm. more or less like another note taker um, device yeah time will tell yeah yeah well i mean this is mm -hmm. uh one of the things yeah time will tell what 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 is it but however, if somebody course, yeah. if somebody has some more infos, yeah, please contact us and tell us what's going on. So another thing which comes from the CES was uh, the announcement of the Hub to Phone, Hub to You Phone, which uh, displays the graphical uh, actually, which displays everything um, on the in the touch form and vibration. So. Few months ago, we had a similar product from Philip. However, um, what I was able to read is that uh, this device, which uh, will come out, they didn't say when, but uh, this device is utilizing the piezo technology, which is uh, installed uh, under the display. So then the display is supposed to vibrate and uh, give some additional information. So you can see how the objects look. Uh, if you are writing a message, you can see uh, where are the letters on the, on the screen, etc., etc. However, that means that uh, you have to know the sighted alphabet uh, in order to know where you are and which letter is which. So it it doesn't use braille but uh, overall the concept of uh, such gadget is uh, is interesting the company said that uh, they are not aiming this product specifically to the end users but more to the developers and uh, the OEM products uh, manufacturers so that means that for example if such concept becomes alive let's say and uh, let's say the Apple or Google becomes interested in, in buying the patents from them, then we could see such technology probably imported at some point uh, in the future uh, devices or so. Um, what do you think, guys, about that? Well, I think it's interesting concept. I wonder how much it is different from Philip. But what is indeed interesting, mm -hmm. what you said, it, it the, the, the patent may attract uh, original uh, equipment manufacturers and system integrators and then they they can implement it into their devices so maybe if uh, attracts more interest we may see more 
this product dissolution. But again, uh, the time will tell yeah, the, yeah, the, how, in which direction this will go. I think these tactile technologies are sort of this holy grail of the tech companies, especially assistive technology companies that they're trying to achieve. And even recently, uh, Apple has applied for a patent where um, it will also draw a sort of tactile representation of the shapes on the screen by means of electric shocks. So, yeah, we'll be somehow treated with electricity, but we will, through that, we'll be able to see what's on the screen. Um, I think there are also some attempts with some hydro-based technology. I think we'll have to see. It's a bit like uh, indoor navigation. Many people have ideas. Many people want uh, patents, but uh, we have to see what finally will be market viable and user-friendly and cost-effective and so on. Sure, yeah. Uh, before it wins any more, any wider publicity. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, overall, uh, I'm happy that, you know, we are going forward and... Uh, yeah, that we will probably see some improvement improvements in that uh, area in the next f- yeah, well few years for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So after uh, some concept conceptual uh, devices, um, another thing which was presented at the CES were two products from the Orcam company. Um, we have heard for Orcam for the last few years. Now they're, they're originally coming from uh, Israel and becoming popular everywhere. However, this year they decided to show their new two products. Uh, one is called Orcam Here and the other is called Orcam Read. So the first thing is very interesting to the listeners who have uh, hearing problems because uh, this is the device which is specialized for hearing impaired people because uh, it is uh, well it's aiming to replace your hearing aids um, because it's utilizing a new technology which they uh, called a cocktail party effect where basically this technology is able to uh, to isolate the listeners um from one run one from each other so for example if you are like in the room and you have like 10 people talking in the same time but you're trying to hear what specifically one person is telling to you uh, they're saying that this uh, that their device is supposed to do that um, and it's doing it in the two direction first is uh, sound based and the second one is uh, also we have we are the ca- we are the camera which is uh, which you are wearing on yourself and uh, the camera is able to read your your lip movements so then it's uh, interpreting what uh, what you just said and uh, it's communicating back to the to the person what uh, what you just said on the small uh, on the small display as well um sounds interesting um i know that google had also some innovation in that area with their um innovations in the android as well and with their pixel buds so yeah it would be interesting to see how it will work and uh, the second product which they announced is uh, based on their previous product for reading which was uh, their glasses and cameras which uh, were attached to the glasses now they made kind of the same product for reading but as a handheld device uh, which means that you can take it I, I suppose it's kind of sh- shape of a, of a phone let's say iphone or something like that and the product has a camera and then you would take it into your hand and uh read it will if it will scan what's in front of you uh and read out read out loud what's what's happening um 
Anybody has something to say? I'm not sure if the hearing aid uh, device will be somehow workable for blind people because it relies heavily on the visual. Yeah. So you have to look at the person who is speaking to make the distinction mechanism work. And I'm also wondering if the reader, the handheld reader will be somehow cheaper than the camera one because you actually have to hold it. So the um, comfort factor is somehow not really reduced, but uh, yeah, it's not as portable or it's not as, uh, it can't be as widely used mm -hmm. without holding it in your hand. So maybe that will also um, decrease the price for some people. It may be more affordable, I hope so. That was also my idea. The glasses are the most, uh, yeah, they are hands-free. So um, I think in most cases it's usable. And um, if it is a handheld device, why not make an app for a smartphone and make a new device? Um, is, are the cameras really better than what we have today in our phones? Or what, what would be the reason for having a separate hardware and not developing an app then for hmm. if you have a yeah that's a good in your hand. that's a that's a good question however yeah however we don't know why they no. decided <laughs> to come up with the I guess with if you concept. build your own hardware you are responsible for what it can deliver so you can guarantee the quality because you know what processor you have inside and uh, you have tested it with your target group mm -hmm. and your testers and you can assure that it will work alright and if you release an app, you can't guarantee if all the phones that people might have will actually work accurately. So then people may complain that, uh, you know, I bought this app from you, it cost me this and that amount of money and it doesn't work. Yeah, but that, that has happened before that they say if you want to use it, you have at, you need at least iPhone 10 or, or that has happened before. Like I think when KNFB Reader uh, started, they also said uh, you need at least iPhone, I, I don't know, for the camera quality. So that's always possible. Um, mm -hmm. It will not be, a, yeah, yeah. and especially with Android phones, it, it will be a bit more difficult to specify which cameras are good enough. And it's not a solution for everybody, because of course not everybody has the latest iPhone and, and most capable Android device. But it, I think it will still be cheaper than a dedicated device that indeed they control fully, but is of course much more expensive because they sell fewer items than smartphones. But okay, we'll see. Yeah. Um... I mean, right now we can just speculate mm -hmm. about it, but the good thing is that uh, there are events coming, such as uh, Side City and uh, CSUN. So if anybody will uh, go there, we can we can test the things uh, at the place and see uh, perhaps why why did they go that way, mm -hmm. and eventually also what are the pricing for it for it. Yeah. All right, so um, more or less that's uh, our short coverage of the assistive part from CES 2020. Uh, there will be additional links in our show notes for each of the articles where you can follow up what's going on. And if something interests you more, check it out. So right now we are going to the new thing and that's related to the web accessibility. On the International Day of Persons with Disabilities that uh, occurs on the 3rd of December, uh, the W3C announced the launch of the free online introduction accessibility course. International experts, trainers from uh, W3C member organizations will um, give a strong uh, foundation of digital accessibility, how to make accessible websites and mobile applications, how to meet international standards, and also 
to give a um, good user experience to all users. I think this is a great opportunity for anyone who is um, developing or involved in uh, creating web and mobile applications now because we have a legal framework, we have the Web Accessibility Directive that is in force and also the um, Accessibility Act that is upcoming. So it's a great uh, time to follow this course. It starts on the 20th of January and um, it will last for a few weeks. It is self-paced. Yeah, but probably if there will be more interest, uh, there is a possibility that the course will That's be possible. repeated later as well. I mean, there is no announcement yet. There is no announcement about it yet, but That's possible. it's possible. I guess also depending how many people will enroll, but I guess that there will be many. Also, it's up to us to share it with on social medias so that people know it. I think there will be more many people interested in that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's that's good. Now we are uh, we need more people who are educated about uh, the web accessibility because mm. yeah, the new laws are being applied and we need more educated stuff. So after we got something. To say about web accessibility, we can say what's needed for the accessibility of the museums. And I think, Pavel, you are the right person to say that. Um, at least in terms of the Arches project, which uh, is the subject of this news item, it's an EU-funded project where six museums in the UK and Spain and in Austria took place, uh, took part in it, and uh, they developed a lot of things that are useful. Uh, on the one hand, they developed apps for mobile phones, which are sort of games where you can uh, play around with the pictures presented in the galleries of the museums. Uh, you can read the, the detailed descriptions. You can add them to collages to make a sort of game out of it to create your own uh, art experience with the app. Uh, there were also... Uh, multimedia guides developed, which were a bit more inclusive with uh, sign language avatars uh, showing the spoken text and also with a bit more in-depth audio description. And of course, there were academic papers and guidelines that uh, owners or managers of art experience sites can read through um, to apply some of these techniques in their own museums. And I have taken a look at uh, some of the games and I must say that, uh, yeah, I could find the descriptions. Uh, the apps are both web-based and you can also download each of the museum's apps on both iOS and Android uh, as a standalone app. So there are the descriptions, you can read through them and that's fine. And then you can somehow add the pictures that you like to the canvas, so to start this kind of game. But I haven't found uh, what you can do afterwards. You can somehow save the, the picture that you created out of this collage, but I don't know if that's anyhow accessible, if you can anyhow... There are some buttons, of course, to control where which item is, and it's announced that uh, this is in the center, for example. But I don't know if you can anyhow imagine what the end result will look like and if it's anyhow aesthetic to look at and so on. But nevertheless, you can read through the descriptions and you can... Uh, experience there are even i think the videos and audio for the guides or the text uh, information is also available there uh, on the website of the project and of course the academic papers and the deliverables so how the project exactly ran how they were conducting the research because there were also people with disabilities involved in this research and uh, every single step of the project you can look at that it's publicly available information and uh, 
yeah, if you're an art institution, you can draw on this experience and you can possibly improve what you offer. And what uh, I found it interesting is also that they emphasized that um, there are anti-discrimination laws uh, that public buildings like museums are accessible, but what they see is a gap between um, the minimum requirements and also the real uh, well accessibility for persons with disabilities, and they want to involve persons with disabilities. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. So after we w we went to see what's what's happening in the museum, we can play some music. Well, we got some mu some news for the musicians who are visually impaired, and the first news comes from the guy called Joe Birch. Uh, Joe Birch is the developer who is specialized in um, providing ac accessible apps for Android. And he has uh, been also developing various uh, devices and projects in the past, such as a Braille newsreader in 2017. But what uh, he has done this time is uh, something that's really cool, I have to say, for people who are struggling with learning the guitar because he built it a uh, Raspberry Pi smart guitar and basically that's a guitar that looks like the acoustic guitar with multiple sensors and AI things involved so basically uh, it is aimed for people who are blind who are deaf and who are also mute which means that people are not able to talk so uh, the guitar itself uh, allows the person to learn how to play accords, uh, where do you need to press and uh, which strings you need to press and how to play the chords. Um, and it's able to, you're able to ask the guitar, uh, what, what do you need to do? We built-in AI, which is uh, based on the, on Google, Google's framework. So it uses like a Google assistant. Uh, there's a speaker on the guitar, which uh, talks back to you the information. However, if you're not uh, able to hear the stuff you can, uh, and you are deaf, then you can see all the information presented on the small display. And uh, there are also buttons for repeating the same thing which you, which you asked before, so you don't have to ask again. Or there are also buttons for, um, for talking. So you, you press a button and then you say what you have to say. Um, but... That's, as they say, that's not all. <laughs> if you turn the guitar uh, to the back, then you can see also a small refreshable braille display built into the guitar. And uh, the information presented on the braille display is the same as it's uh, presented in the visual form on the visual on the on that small display uh this however since it's it's uh it's a braille display it's uh, presented in the braille form notation uh what are you supposed to press and which uh, which frets you're supposed to to press and which strings you're supposed to to strum uh, etc uh, it's I, I i think it's really nice nice thing for uh, people who have uh, one or even multiple disabilities, but they want to be involved with music. Um, and it's cool that we we got uh, some device that it's also aiming a, a deaf-blind community because, because there are not too many such devices. So that that's cool. Um, there will be a link for that in the show notes for the project. Um, you can also watch a short video description and video demonstration of the, of the unit. And you can also... Uh, 
get on the page where uh, everything is documented, how the developer uh, build the the instrument and what he used, and perhaps you can also order one if uh, if you need it. But yeah, it's it's. It's nice that uh, somebody is thinking about uh, our community and people who are really struggling a little bit more to to learn how to play you know, string instruments. So that's that's nice. Yeah, I think uh, it is really great the idea of the smart guitar. Also, that he assembled the technologies that we already know, but mm-hmm. he assembled in one and uh, made. Uh, a device that is really accessible to to everyone it's really amazing but uh, yeah. all of the technologies like um text to speech or braille or well display we all of that know but it's assembled together and it uh, it is amazing also to think that uh, a bad person can can play the guitar yeah yeah it's a uh, it's it's really cool concept it's i mean by, by there is mm-hmm. nothing new that we don't know but when you as you said uh when you put everything in in a one unit and uh combine everything together uh, it's really cool what what he yeah. what he achieved and i mean we are talking about one person developing that we are not talking about uh, the serial series manufacturing process so if uh, if somebody would be interested from the companies to develop that project even further who knows what uh, would Mm. come out of that i mean personally i could not see having and wearing this kind of device on stage while playing because uh it's just physically bigger than the rest of the let's say guitars or 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 basses uh but really for the educational purposes it's really really nice so uh for somebody who wants to learn it and have it at home and play whenever they want to to play with it, it's really, really nice. Yeah, I think it's also meant for practice more than for serious uh, gigs. So for that, for that sure. it will definitely feel the purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, the next part of the news for the musicians, which uh, that, that's something I really found a revolutionary, I have to say. Uh, and that's the announcement from Avid and the Berkeley College of Music that they will finally make together the accessible features to the Sibelius musical software. Now, for those of you who don't know what uh, Sibelius software is, the shortest explanation, what I can say is that it's kind of, uh, well, Microsoft Office for musicians, um, which means that whenever you are uh, studying something related to the music and you need to do any kind of composing on the computer, and today, in today's uh, educational systems, this is what we must use. Not we as a blind people, but what everybody must use. Uh, this is a great, great, really great news because now they're, they're ev- they even said that uh, they will make the adjustments to the Sibelius software so that almost every screen reader will be able to use it equally. So that includes NVDA, JAWS, uh, and the voiceover. Uh, And this is really, really something fantastic. I can say that from my personal experience, when I was uh, last year on the Jazz Conservatory here in Luxembourg, I struggled a bit with the parts for composing. Uh, And I, I had a course where I had to do the composing. So... Yeah, we had to use uh, different kind of tools. And one of the tools which, uh, of course, was used on um, on the conservatory was uh, Sibelius. And I could use it, but really not as effectively as the other people. However, 
uh, as we can see, this is something that will change and it's already ongoing thing because uh, eventually people from uh, Avid, who is a main company developing developing the product, uh, will have their workshop on the accessibility of the Sibelius on the NAM show. And that's going to be tomorrow on the January tw uh, January 19th. And the NAM show is like something equivalent to the CES for the what's uh, what's the CES for consumer electronics. That's the NAM show for the musicians. That's like the biggest uh, event for the manufacturers of the all kinds of instruments who are coming from all parts of the world every year in the States uh, to represent that. And... You know, seeing that these kind of things will happen there was really something revolutionary for uh, because eventually we can see that accessibility is coming to the mainstream slowly, slowly but surely. But and uh, you know, if if they get like even five or ten people there at the workshop, seeing that uh, you know their product, which everybody knows, everybody knows what's Sibelius who are in the music scene uh that they are taking care of the accessibility that's a really really positive sign so um that's really 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 nice i have to say um also for you who know a little bit about the audio recording uh, the avid company is also uh manufacturing the pro tools and the pro tools are set of well it's the audio digital audio station uh recording station which is basically used in most of the studios wherever you go now to any kind of uh, good studio for for recording people will use uh, pro tools there and eventually what happened with the pro tools a few years ago uh, which is mainly utilized on the mac os platform was that the pro tools at one point became inaccessible for us uh, as a blind as a blind users and there was a huge huge uh, outcry from from the crowd uh, that something has to be done and eventually Avid, Avid listened to that and they reconfigured their software and they made it again accessible. And so eventually, whenever you are talking to the blind musicians and recording engineers who are doing that, that job for the day, daily living, they will use a Pro Tools in, in their studio and they can use it as effectively as anybody else who doesn't have any kind of disability. And that's great. This is uh, This is really... I found it really, really nice. Is Pro Tools as accessible on Windows as it is on the Mac? Uh, oh yeah, because no. when I last time was trying to no. find it out, um, I figured there is some kind of discrepancy there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They, on the Windows, they are not as accessible on as on Mac. So if uh, if you are having any kind of visual disability and you are depending on Pro Tools, yeah, you have to use the mm -hmm. Mac one. But uh, over there, it's it's really working okay so yeah okay um so of course as uh, we said before we will have also all the links uh, about the pro tools about the sibelius accessibility and the smart raspberry guitar raspberry pi guitar um in our show notes so who's interested go ahead and check out our show notes and now we come to the third uh list of topics for our podcast and that's related to the jobs and scholarships so the best person to say something about it is bart hello bart um i think the first topic is um the 
more or less conclusion of an international project called VIP Tech, which is not very, very yes. <laughs> original name. <laughs> Uh, but it's all about um, employment, employment of visually impaired people, which we all know is uh, um, a very important and difficult topic. So this international consortium um, had a project for, I think, two years, and they um, launched now their results. And they want to help job seekers with, of course, an app. Everybody makes an app today, yeah? so they make an app. Um, where uh, to help job seekers um, like to train them what is a good CV um, where can you find um, job announcements um, and it's available in several languages I know at least Spanish English Italian maybe more and they also allow um, translation so if you feel um, you want to contribute to the project, you can register as a translator and make the information of this course available in more languages. And a second topic in this app is that um, they want to facilitate finding job opportunities, uh, because that's often a first barrier to get access to published jobs. Um, and so they want to facilitate this. Um, so at least the first two steps of finding a job are covered by this, uh, by this project, finding the job announcements and some help with um, CV writing and um, your job in some tips for your job interviews, specifically if you are uh, blind or visually impaired. It's a project uh, run by or initiated by um, Views International. So that's for mainly for uh, young people under 30. But of course, the results of this project are uh, useful for anybody uh, applying for a job. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, uh, as, as always, the link to this app will be in the show notes. Yeah, uh, so this app, what you just mentioned, is it the app which will... Uh, it, is it a web-based app or it's an app that's running on your phone? It's a web-based app. So, okay. of course, it okay. can run on the phone, but you don't have to install it. Okay, nice. Uh, yeah, I think the EBU was also uh, included in in that project as well. I don't know how closely, but at least the uh, EBU endorses the the, the outcomes. And um, of course, as we all know, employment is a big topic for the European Blind Union. So yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, so if you are still in school, but uh, you would like to get some scholarships, uh, there are announcements from the oracle as well uh an edf it's an opportunity um if uh, for students um who are who have a disability themselves who are taking any course in um, ict or um, programming or anything um, computer technology related and uh, if you're doing a phd or a dissertation that is um, trying to improve people with disabilities life so again if you are developing an app or making a study or any um, topic related to this you can apply for a scholarship um, given by oracle and um, the project is coordinated by the european disability forum so um, i think they're also part of the jury so i think that's they are more neutral and they can uh, help the, the jury in seeing if this is um, which which of the projects are most um, worth to be uh, sponsored with this uh, scholarship. It takes six thousand five hundred euro, so makes 
um, worth to, to, to take a look at it. Um, the exact conditions are um, published online and of course we link to them. But important to know is that the deadline for application is um, early March, I think the 5th of March. Yeah, March so, 6th, I think. Yeah, so um, be quick to, um, to check that out if you are in that case um, and you want to apply. Yeah, this is like the fourth edition of that scholarship, and uh, yeah, it seems it seems that uh, this uh, could be really useful for for young students, especially who are in the IT field mm -hmm. and who wish to imp improve the life of the others who have uh, disabilities. So mm -hmm. go ahead and and apply. I can just say that also uh, I think one of the rewards if you manage to get through with your project, apart from of course the fact that you can create your project or your paper. Uh, you can present it at an annual EDF event in front of the European Parliament in Brussels. At least that was the case two years ago, uh, last year actually, in 2018. <laughs> and I was able to take part in this event. So it's definitely, I guess, an honor for such a creator to present in front of everyone who can come. And this event is promoted among MEPs. So you might be lucky that some of them will actually come and see you present your project. So you also have... Uh, the, ch the chance to raise awareness of accessibility needs uh, among politicians, like important prominent politicians of the Euro Parliament. So I guess this is also uh, something that makes it even more worth yeah. doing. All right, cool. Um, well, the next thing is also related to and could be related to the studying and getting the information. And that's because Index Braille company has uh, their donation program for 2020. And yes. uh, they're giving out a Braille printer, right? That's another um, like contest you can uh, apply for in the coming weeks. Uh, it's tailored to um, NGOs who promote Braille literacy. That can be very uh, broad, um, giving access to, um, to printed works through Braille. Um, and if your uh, we all know that braille embossers are quite expensive um for especially for ngos who don't get any funding that's also part of the conditions of this contest um you can apply for a free index braille printer with a um acoustic hood so that you can install it anywhere and it's not too loud um the i don't know exactly the deadline for application but the winners will be announced on Louis Braille's uh, day, 4th of January uh, next year. So um, it's also an annual uh, contest that they run. Um, it's of course a commercial uh, thing to be to be in the news, um, but I think it's quite, it, it can be a good opportunity for uh, NGOs who could otherwise struggle to acquire such, an, um, such a device. So again, uh, check out the conditions and um, Try your try your luck with this uh, with this contest. Yeah, especially if you are uh, one of those who are promoting Braille and using Braille in in their work. Mm, yeah, and if you are in need for a new Braille embosser, go ahead and apply. So um, we covered our contests for this episode. We had quite much, I have to say. <laughs> there is a one more, and this one is really interesting. I have to say. <laughs> um, it's called the Holman Prize, uh, and uh, 
Tanya, you know something more about it? Yeah, so this one is not strictly related to IT, but it can be. Uh, for it can be also. So for any blind creator or also adventurer, uh, you can now apply for the Holman Prize. Uh, that is the annual competition where you can win $25,000 for the most ambitious project. So the idea of this um, prize is to raise awareness uh, what uh, blind people can achieve, but also to reward the most ambitious uh, project by a blind individual. As example, last year, the prize winner was uh, Uma Deko, a software engineer and a specialist in 3D and media. So he created an application called Astros uh, that enable blind person to search and explore for uh, exoplanets by listening the space. Because uh, sighted persons can explore the space with a telescope mm -hmm. and uh, for blind persons this is completely out of reach. Mm -hmm. And this application would make accessible by sound and also touch dimension. However, I didn't find more information um, where uh, is it only an application or, or it would require a special device because I found an article that um, it will be um, put in production in February last year. But I didn't find more information about that. But the, the winner last year was... Uh, uh, the software engineer. So it is a great opportunity if you are uh, working on an ambitious project to apply to this mm -hmm. prize and try to win, uh, try to win and the it's prize. Not, I thought initially it and was also, kind of uh, USA-centric, but it's mm -hmm. uh, because it's initiated by um, San Francisco-based San Francisco organization. Lighthouse, yeah. Um, but they say they have mm -hmm. um, winners from uh, five different countries already, so it seems totally uh, global. On, on four yeah. continents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is <laughs> Yes, because the guy from last year is he's from mm -hmm. Australia. Yeah. Yeah, so eventually if uh, we have some smart inventors, blind inventors or whatever, who are creators, who think they... Or travelers, because yeah. you can actually even... There were examples of people crossing mountains mm -hmm. or getting through the Bosphor on their own. I don't know if the requirement is that all of the participants of this activity have to be blind and they have to do it on their own or they can have a bit of help, I don't know, but many of these uh, projects are somehow related to doing some unusual activities independently. Yes. Because James Holman was an 18th century or 19th century traveler and explorer who traveled long before GPS mm. was available and uh, when white cane mm. laws were pretty much non-existent. Mm -hmm. So that was this achievement mm. they want to honor. Yeah, well, in any case, uh, if you are the adventurer, uh, a person who wants to change the future, let's say like that, uh, and you think you have a good idea, uh, check out the requirements for the Holman Press because you have to also prepare a short 90 seconds video where you will present your uh, project which you want to do. Um, but yeah, um, check out the requirements. You have to apply also, I think, until the beginning of March or mm -hmm. maybe yeah it's it's written on the page uh so there is a still time left to do that so check out the link from our show notes and maybe you will be the next one the next prize winner we right? give a lot of we give, we give a lot of homework to our listeners this time 
<laughs> well, once once we have to, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's big. It's the beginning of the year. They have no, to. Yeah. Do something. And also of the decade. <laughs> Th think what you can achieve if you combine the Oracle uh, scholarship and the Holman Prize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe on the on on the way to achieve that, you would uh, use the Google interpreter on your smartphone, because uh, right now it's available. It becomes available for the smartphones, so including Android and iOS devices. Uh, we made the demonstrations of the Google interpreter few months ago when it became available for the um, home devices and uh, it was working quite fine. I have to I have to say I, I just tried it on my phone before we started uh, our podcast and it does work. Um, so yeah, if you need to translate something from one language to the other, now you can use the Google interpreter mode. So what you just need to do is uh, you need to call your Google assistant and say, be my interpreter. And then it will start uh, the interpretation mode. However, when it announces, uh, let's start, you need to call your assistant again. So there will not be a sound indicating that it's starting. You need to call your assistant again and then start talking. And then it will uh, start translating as well. And when you are finished, you just need to say uh, stop translation and it will be finished. Do you know if this is available from other languages than uh, English? Yeah, yeah, you can uh, yeah. translate from English to Dutch, from Dutch to English, to French, to whatever. I tried Polish Chinese. What? I tried Polish Chinese and it worked, so... <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, 40 languages are covered. Uh, it was written in the article. Sometimes can... these, these functions roll out first for English and come then later, but that's okay. I know did they you... can do it since a long time, this interpretation. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Did you also try it on the watch, Mario? Mm -hmm. Does it work there as well? No, I didn't try it on the watch yet. Uh, I will mm. try it uh, after we are finished with, the, okay. with our recording. You, you have to... You have to try it now so that we see if it is reliable. Well, okay, why not? Let's uh, see. While we're, I just need to power up. Now we are in a multi-language environment here. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to, I just need to power power up my watch because it's sleeping today. Um, however, there is something else I'd like to report that uh, I discovered, and it can be really interesting uh, for our listeners, and that's uh, the possibility of checking your air quality around you. The thing is why I discovered that is because uh, recently we had the announcement that the air quality in Zagreb was really uh, bad for a few last days. And people, especially kids, had to be kept in schools and they were not allowed to get out of, of schools because, well, the air quality was bad and you could get poisoned. And eventually, if, if it's too bad, then... You can uh, faint and it's, yeah, experience all kinds of different uh, bad experiences. So eventually there is a function uh, where you can call uh, a Google Assistant and you can say, uh, talk to air quality index and then it will uh, call up the service. It will say that it needs uh, information from your for your current location. And if, if you allow it, then it will uh, report you back your air quality index this is the most uh, current issue in many cities unfortunately because um, well the air quality started to be very bad 
uh, and I think it's an interesting information also sometimes because of the weather uh, the air quality decreases and then uh, well for for people who are sensitive it can be really a problem if uh, yeah and if you're allergic or as well, suffering is, uh, from any also... breathing problems or whatever or also elderly people or kids they're sensitive so it's good to have this information but also on on information level it's interesting and um, the service from uh, the Google Assistant communicates with the closest measuring station. Yeah, well, we also seem to have a local yeah. skill like that in, in, in Poland. I live in actually quite an industrial region, mm-hmm. so we have this problem quite a lot. And uh, even my local warning, mm-hmm. like meteorological warning app keeps sending me, maybe not every day, but quite often. And it's it's like one of the first things a lot of people here do when they want to go out. They just look at the phone uh, if the quality is all right. Because it's, the situation is like that, yeah? Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right, so my watch is powered up. Uh, let's see if the interpreter works on the watch. Be my interpreter. Here's something from ah, it doesn't work. Okay, um, did you also watch. did you also specify the language, or you didn't need to do that? Because I usually I no, usually it will it. it will it will ask you if it if it understands and if it works, uh-huh. then it will uh, tell you uh, which language do you okay choose and stuff. Let's try it once more. Be my interpreter. Here's something from Google. Mm. Ah, yeah, no, it no, doesn't. No, then work. I I yeah. think it's for the phones for the moment. However, for the phone it works. Yeah. Let's just check. On the phone, once more, to show the listeners. Hey Google, be my interpreter. All right, what language should I interpret to? French, French. All right, French. So now I just need to say, hey Google, how are you doing? Comment allez-vous? <laughs> yeah. Hey Google, stop translating. Sure, I'll stop translating. Yeah, so it works. And what is interesting, yeah. you have also on the screen the same text, uh, maybe yes. for persons who are low who have a low vision can also see the text on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I find it convenient because I thought at first, like, uh, why do I need this? If Google Translate, the, the app already has this mode uh, of talking to each other. But I realized that in the Maps app, uh, you actually have two microphones and you have to press the right microphone uh, for your text to be recognized. So there is the one uh, microphone for the source language, the other one for the destination language and the target. And uh, it's a bit inconvenient if you want to get something done quickly, like you're at the shop and you want to ask for some products off the shelf and you don't speak the language. And Mm -hmm. here, actually, you put Google Assistant in a sort of loop. So whatever you say to it, it's interpreted as a text to be translated. And if uh, you say something in English, it will put it in French. If you say something in French, it will put it back in English. Hmm. So it's kind of universal and you just need to trigger the assistant and that's it. So it's super convenient when you're on the road and you quickly need to ask for something, you lost your way, you need to buy something, which is, yeah, I mean, I would have used it if it were available. I would have used it a lot of times the first time I arrived, for example, in Luxembourg, because, uh, yeah, my, my French, even for basic things, wasn't that good back then. And uh, often if I asked for the way, it wasn't always assured that people will speak the languages that I speak. So um, I can imagine using that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. It uh, absolutely can be used in the in those cases so mm-hmm. yeah okay so um we just saw that the interpreter is still not available for watch 
unfortunately, but uh, I'm sure it will arrive soon, so it will be able to utilize that as well, because uh, the Wear OS apps, uh, they update quite frequently, I, I have to say. Um, especially the the main Google Assistant app, um, I think it's... I. I see the updates at least once a week or even not twice a week. So there's every time some new, some improvements coming. Mm -hmm. And we have come to the, believe it or not, the last announcement for today and for our podcast as we don't have any, any demo. And that's related to the good old gaming. Um, well, what's, what's happening is that um, if you would like to play some games from the 80s, then obviously you, you need to use some game emulators on your PC. However, um, if you're a gamer who is blind or low vision and you need to require some uh, utilization with the assistive technology, uh, you were not very successful in the earlier uh, in the earlier time, because those em emulators were not accessible. However, um, there is a one that just has shown up and they uh, integrated the accessibility features uh, in into it. It's called uh, the Old Arch. Is it right, Pavel? Retro Arch. Oh, re Retro Arch. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's Retro Arch. Um, so basically what it does, it's an open source universal emulator. So most consoles that you can think of are supported. I think even the older PlayStation, like 1 and 2, will go. Uh, and what you can do from now is that thanks to AI and OCR technology integration, and thanks to making it accessible with, with a speech, I think for now it's SAPI 5 on Windows, and on the Mac it will be Apple scripts and uh, mm -hmm. dispatcher on, on the Linux, speech dispatcher. You can read... Uh, sort of, and I will explain in a moment why sort of, uh, the menus or the texts that appear on the screens in the game. So whenever there is a menu, you can read it. Whenever there is a piece of uh, the storyline displayed to you on screen, you can read it. Um, the way it works, sadly, for now, is that it takes a, a shot of the entire screen, so everything is read to you at once. So if you are in a menu... Ah, okay, so that's why it was confusing, because uh, we were watching the demo. Yeah. And it was like, wait a second, why is he repeating the information? And that's it's because it's reading the whole screen. Okay. Exactly. So when you're in a menu, you can't really tell uh, what is highlighted at the moment. So you have to memorize the entire menu by heart. And you have to think in your head how many times you have to click the arrow key to get to your option and press enter. Um, but then, I mean, there are some blind gamers who are already experienced enough that they even managed to learn the menus of some favorite games with sighted people before or thanks to some descriptions on Wikipedia or somewhere. And they were able to play like this. So I think for them, this is already a bit of improvement, but not much of a game stopper <laughs> in the way. But uh, I think they're keen on improving it. And maybe in the future, it will also read what is highlighted. So you can actually browse through menus and select your favorite weapons or uh, character or fatality or whatever you have to choose there. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, and, uh, yeah, and they are also thinking how else they could improve the game. For instance, how to make the user aware of some events on the screen when you have a fighting scene or you are playing some sports game. Uh, they, of course, have to interpret all the visual cues into audio cues, so they are thinking how to do it. But for the beginning, it's good that this exists and uh, that the developers behind RetroArch are thinking how to improve this experience. So for a start, I think it's good. 
and the person who was testing this and who made the video that you probably watched this uh, he was playing the i think it was one of the final fantasy games and yes yeah and he was quite he even said himself he was quite satisfied with the results so um for the beginning it's okay i guess it also got some media attention in mainstream media at least i saw one article uh, in one of our polish technology portals so i guess it's also discussed somewhere else as well and yeah this is what ai can do cool uh i wish this showed up when uh, i was like 20 years younger <laughs> yeah then i i would i would play uh, a bunch of bunch of those games as well um but yeah it's uh it's it's really interesting unfortunately you're not able to play super mario bros <laughs> yet yeah that's, that's not accessible from uh, from what i was able to find out but uh ah, well maybe one day the ai will uh, be able to explain what's happening so i mean this is not less. this is not the first yeah this is not the first uh, experiment of this kind because already there was an attempt to make a sort of uh, alternative interface to some fighting games that the engine was developed for i think mortal kombat and street fighter where by mm -hmm. analyzing the shots of the ram memory um, snapshots you could interpret the events that are happening because everything that happens in the game is essentially a piece of really complex code that is displayed in the RAM as well. And uh, based on this analysis, the engine was able to provide some sounds to let the user know uh, what is going on and they could actually fight quite successfully. I think they're, based on this similar technique, there was some kind of Game Boy emulation for the Pokemon, for some Pokemon game uh, provided, so you could actually use your screen reader to read uh, the Pokemon, one of the Pokemon editions. Okay. And also, uh, if you're on Steam, there are many indie games which are a bit less known than the big titles, but they are accessible. I think a what lot of... What the hell of, are indie games, man? Um, <laughs> made, made by inde uh, independent developers, like indie rock. Ah, okay. <laughs> Like it's not like indie rock. Yeah, like indie rock. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've probably never heard of this unless you're interested, but they are accessible. I think a lot of blind uh, gamers were quite satisfied with Skullgirls, which is uh, a fighting game somehow. And there the developer put a lot of care that, first of all, the messages are spoken out with screen readers. And secondly, that all the audio that you can get uh, is there. So for example, there is a character which throws a chair at his opponent. And when he throws the chair and the chair goes missing, like it doesn't hit the target, but it actually lands on the floor, you can hear mm -hmm. where the chair is lying so you can come and pick it up and try again. <laughs> so it's it's really advanced. And I think more Steam games are improving on accessibility. You just have to look around which ones. And even if your favorite game is not accessible, but you see that it could potentially be because a lot of uh, sound is there, um, you can contact the developers. And I think they are quite keen now with all the... If gaming accessibility conferences. I think there's GA Conf and many other events where you can learn about how to make games accessible. So this is quite a developing market and it's interesting to see how far it will get. Yeah, sure. I mean, the gaming industry is really taking uh, uh, a big part of, uh, well, big part of uh, people's people's wallets. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we, we had even, I remember... Uh, was it 2018? I think yeah. It was it was a uh, the last quarter of 2018 where we had the one game from Croatian 
game developers which reach reached like the top five uh, most popular games in in the world in that in that part in that part of year and mm-hmm. uh, they were getting lots of attention even from the mainstream uh, mainstream media from from the states as well and yeah I have a, I have a friend of mine who is uh, working also as as a composer for for games for for a long time and. Uh, Eventually, he's very successful. So yeah, going back to the you know subject of of uh, the products for blind musicians. Well, if you learn how to use Sibelius stuff, you can also compose uh, music for the games and become rich guy, and then go to uh, CES to Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Especially now that you can actually purchase um, soundtracks for games alone on Steam uh, as a separate purchase, so you can see that uh, games by different means are becoming uh, part of a uh, pop culture as well. Hmm. Sure. TV yeah. shows and based on games and Sure, sure. And there are uh, really some really interesting uh, re- interesting and and very well produced soundtracks as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, at one po- at, w- at one of the podcasts we have to broadcast the yeah, the game music from the 80s. Yeah, speaking oh. of the re- of the retro arch. <laughs> yeah, jingles with chip tunes, why not? <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Um, I hope that we didn't uh, put too much in uninteresting content for you this time. I hope you liked what we had to say. Um, that's all for our episode for January. Uh, of course, as always, if you have uh, anything to add or anything to comment regarding our episodes, you're free to do that on our Twitter and our email, which is every time presented in our show notes. So, yeah. Uh, send us some feedback and uh, we hope to be with you next month. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been EBU Access Cast. Access Cast. Access Cast.